0: Listen, I get it. You like saving in Bitcoin. But check this out you can actually complement your hodl position by investing in Bitcoin startups. If you want additional upside and enjoy learning about angel investing, you should check out Lightning Ventures. Lightning Ventures is a great way to stack real equity in Bitcoin only companies. They've invested in businesses you've heard about on this show, including Azteco, CrowdHealth, and Swan Bitcoin. And Lightning Ventures makes it easy to get started in the world of early stage investing. The minimum investment is only $1,000 per deal, and you only invest in the deals that make sense to you. So if you want to get a behind the scenes look at the startups you know and love, if you want a chance to support their growth, and if you want another opportunity to profit as the Bitcoin ecosystem develops, check out the 60 second application in the show notes to get started today in building a world that runs on better money.
1: Business is constantly adapting. It's constantly changing. You don't need an annual plan. You shouldn't have an annual plan. You shouldn't have a strategy. You should have an area of expertise where you focus. You should have customers who are the ones you're trying to serve and help and just keep that flow, continuous improvement. And so it's rethinking business in a a whole new light. In the digital age, young people, especially, are are able to comprehend that and to understand it. Whereas old-fashioned management is about control. Now I'm going to predict that we'll have exactly one thousand two hundred twenty-seven million dollars at the end of the year, and you know we'll do everything we can to, to make that happen. That's what I said before: is uh, you know management is bunk. Well, planning and strategy are bunk as well.
0: Welcome to the Business Bitcoinization Show, the show dedicated to helping you enrich your life and grow your business with Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth. I'm your host Josh Friedman and our guest today is Hunter Hastings, who is the host of the Value Creators podcast and founder of the Value Creators Business Education Initiative. Hunter was a special request from a listener and although he's not particularly a Bitcoiner. He is a close cousin from the Austrian School of Economics. And I think you're going to enjoy the conversation today about how to apply Austrian principles in your business. And if you enjoy what you hear from Hunter today, be sure to check out the Value Creators podcast as well. Thanks to those who have been supporting the podcast on Fountain in the last week. Piez sent a boost of 100 sats and Sovereign Crow 355, who I believe is a new supporter, streamed almost 1,100 sats across a number of episodes. If you would like to support the show, you can listen on Fountain and either stream sats as you listen, or you can send a boost and include a comment. If you do that, I'll be sure to read it on the show. Now, this week's Bitcoin Meetup Spotlight is the Charleston Bitcoin Meetup in South Carolina. The Charleston Bitcoin Meetup is a group for anyone interested in the new financial technology called Bitcoin. They meet every second Saturday at Charleston Distilling Company on John's Island, show up to ask questions, teach others, talk about new ideas, or just sit back and listen. They're extremely excited to meet and maybe even help create new Bitcoin enthusiasts. And if you're new to Bitcoin, they'll even give you a free copy of the little Bitcoin book. So you can start out with a simple overview of Bitcoin. Find them on Twitter at Bitcoin underscore CHS or at BitcoinCharleston.org. Both those links are down below along with a link to the Oshi app, which you can use to find a Bitcoin meetup near you. Now we're going to get to our interview with Hunter right after this business owners unlock the benefits bitcoin has to offer your business with a bitcoin for business quick start guide this 27 page guide highlights the six ways you can grow your business with bitcoin check it out in the show notes hunter welcome to the podcast
1: hello josh it's great to be here thanks for the invitation
0: so I like to start off every single interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you a little bit better and give us some insight for our own lives. So you ready for these? I am. When and how did you first learn about Bitcoin?
1: I am in the venture capital business in what is often called seed stage venture capital. So very early in the process, you're looking for business models that are new and unusual and have potential, but they haven't been fully formed yet. So you're, you're, you've got a wide uh, range of things that you'll consider. We started to come across, I'd say about 10 years ago, uh, models that were built on blockchain. It was tokenization, a lot of different tokens. We looked at uh, gambling, online gambling kinds of things and gaming. We looked at uh bond trading on the blockchain, which was very promising. We looked at a couple of other token businesses. We got involved in one of those ICOs, if you remember what that used to be, an <laughs> initial coin offering. Um None of them actually panned out, although I'm a big fan of the, the technology and the, the possibility. But we looked at it as as entrepreneurial novelty, entrepreneurial initiative,
0: so a lot of questions based off of what you just said. As a Bitcoin podcast, the idea of blockchain or tokenization and a lot of what that implies are not things we're as interested in. It sounds like you learned some things along the way and kind of want to delve into that maybe later in the interview. But next we have question number two, and it's this. What's an insight or fact about Bitcoin that you wish everyone understood?
1: Well, that it's it's money that is not fiat. It's not controlled by the government. It's not issued by the government. It's it's, uh, private money that entrepreneurs and businesses and individuals can use for exchange. Uh, I'm a big fan of Austrian economics, and we've always believed that money should be private. Uh, One of the economic heroes of our school is Friedrich Hayek, and he wrote in 1935, I think it was, something called uh, the denationalization of money, where he was looking for the opportunity for, for private issuance of money. It could compete in the marketplace and the best one would win. So I look at Bitcoin through that lens. And uh, as Austrian economists, we're very enthusiastic about its potential
0: So as someone who's coming more from the Austrian econ side, not as much from the Bitcoin side, although there's so many overlaps that sometimes the the two can get muddled. This question, I'll I'll be interested to hear your thoughts, but it's what's the Bitcoin resource you most recommend to other people, recognizing that you might not be recommending all that many Bitcoin resources to people?
1: Well, you've already pointed out to me that I'm uh, a bit behind on (laughs) my thinking on on Bitcoin, but I use Coinbase, which I know... The Bitcoin is kind of looked down upon, but I'll tell you what it's got that, that uh, is required, I think, in the Bitcoin world. And that's a convenient interface. It's very mm. easy to use. It sits on my iPhone as an app. I can trade instantly. It's got great information resources. I think one of the benefits that uh, we as economists think about a lot in any market offering is convenience. People are looking for more and more convenience. They want things to be easier. And from, you know, my layperson's point of view, Bitcoin hasn't achieved that level of convenience,
0: but Coinbase is just fine. So that's what I use. Question number four. This goes outside of Bitcoin, as does the final question. Question number four is this. Beyond Bitcoin, what is a resource, tool or idea that's been helpful to you or your business recently?
1: Well, I'll tell you the idea that I'm pursuing mostly now, uh, Josh, is that there's no such thing as management management. As you think about a business, and you think about everything we've been told in the 19th and 20th centuries about management, which is kind of a control function, you know where you're going, you're doing planning and strategy, you're allocating resources. Well, it turns out all to be bunk. It's, uh, business is an evolving system, and there are certain things you can do that are entrepreneurial, creating new experiments to find out what, what happens, but management is not the tool. Experimentation is the tool. And so, we try to use that in, in business and in our business education to look at you know, what is the new form of management going forward in the digital age.
0: Very interesting. And finally, we have our final, what we call our arbitrary but insightful question and is this. <laughs> As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not?
1: Well, I have an easy answer to that. That's why not is the, uh, is the question to ask because there is no why. and. I think that's one of the uh, you know the great philosophical, historical questions we try to understand causality. Why do things happen? Why does X cause Y? Well, X doesn't cause Y. Everything is evolutionary. It's what they call in systems theory emerging, and you can't control emergence. All you can do is try new things. Try these experiments that I was talking about. And so you always ask yourself, why not? Why shouldn't I try that? Why? Why shouldn't I do this? Why isn't X possible? So why not is definitely
0: my answer to that question. But here's what truly sets them apart. Vellis Commerce doesn't just build. They bring a wealth of knowledge to ensure your project success from day one. Their team understands the nuances of Bitcoin, ensuring that your business stays ahead of the curve. And for all business Bitcoinization listeners out there, Vellis Commerce is offering a free consultation to kickstart your project the right way. So if you're ready to future-proof your business in the coming age of hyper-Bitcoinization, head over to VellisCommerce.com or reach out on Twitter at Vellis Let's make Make sure your business thrives in the Bitcoin era. All right. Well, Hunter, we're here today to talk about you and some of your projects. A listener requested you come on to the podcast, and I'm happy to take recommendations. And so here we are. And I think one thing that would be helpful is to also talk a little bit about Austrian economics and how that uh, should be influencing the way that business owners think. And I think maybe part of what You would say and this is jumping the gun perhaps a little bit is that um, if you're operating a business, you probably already have some Austrian economic uh, bent without necessarily even realizing it. But before I I make too many uh, presumptions, maybe share with us a little bit about who you are and some of the things you have going on specifically as it relates to helping businesses.
1: Well, the, the field that I'm trying to develop is what we call the application of economics to to business. And this term Austrian economics, it's 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 horrible branding, Josh. It's <laughs> if you're trying to start a process of getting people to understand proper economics, then you wouldn't call it Austrian. If you Google Austrian economics, you get things about Austrian airlines and Vienna and those kinds of things. What it is is entrepreneurial economics. The the driving force of growth and expansion, and prosperity, and and well-being is entrepreneurship, which means individuals finding customers, finding what is typically called needs. It's not really needs. It's that they have this suspicion that something could be better. And the entrepreneur says, I can help you with that. I, I can find you something better. And they come up with an experiment we call the value proposition, and they test it in the marketplace. The marketplace selects, and things get better and better and better. And that's free market. It's, uh, it's individuals helping others. We talk about the entrepreneurial ethic. I help you make your life better, and then I got a reward in return. I get profit, and I get to reinvest that. My business gets to grow. So we're trying to apply that at every scale. Not entrepreneurship as starting a new business, but in every big business, every business of every kind. We also look to barriers to entrepreneurship, and that's things like obviously government regulation, but also bureaucracy and uh, financialization. You know, the stock market is a casino, it's not really creating value for a lot of people. So, we're trying to apply that uh, broadly, and we're going to do it through business education. So, this program we call the Value Creators, it's a podcast right now. We're trying to make a podcast into value creation. We'll launch online business courses next year. And ultimately, we'd like to develop a business school that teaches economics and business as it should be taught, as opposed to how it is taught today. So that's a long-term project, but we're enthusiastically working on
0: it. I love it. So maybe if you would share with us about the Value Creators podcast, as well as where this idea was born from, because I was more aware of the podcast, not as much your longer-term vision, and I, I love the sound of it.
1: Well, we started off with a program called Economics for Business, which was sponsored by the Mises Institute, with this very idea of applying Austrian economics in business, reaching out and getting people to understand that way. Uh, It was decided that the institute should focus on academic research, and so it's going to do that. So we've created another institute, we call it the Kingman Institute, uh, to work on this applied economics. So the podcast used to be Economics of Business. There were 215 episodes of that, I think, and now we've just started calling it the Value Creators. So it's just a rebranding. But our ambition is is uh, still high and unbounded, and we're we're continuing to go in the same direction. So the idea is to take this theory. We we talk to a lot of our economics professors. And then show it in application where we talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners and, and business leaders. So that's our pattern, continues to be our pattern. And then when we launch our, our online business education, we'll delve more and more into how this works in business as entrepreneurship at scale. It's not, as I say, startups and small businesses, but it's, it's economics at scale.
0: Would you say that a lot of the people that you have on the podcast are interested in Austrian economics, or somehow uh, employing those tactics in their lives and businesses right now? Or are you more interested in simply talking to people who are business owners or can help business owners think through how to create more value for their businesses?
1: Yeah, the entrepreneurs and business owners and leaders that we talk to really don't know Austrian economics, nor should they. Um, But they're interested in the principles. And so we're, we're being... Deductive in the sense of, look, this is how successful businesses work, and those principles, the principles behind that, are Austrian economics principles. So, one of them that is very prevalent today is is customer first. So you see that in a lot of different businesses. There's a a uh, a way of approaching business that the Chinese talk about called Hoi which is zero distance to the customer. You know. Just know your customer as well as you can. Um, there are others that you know customer first and customer centric. Well, that is Austrian economics. That the customer is the driver of change. It's their desire for something better which provides the energy in the system. So, if you're closer to them, if you understand them better, then you can better develop your business. And how do you understand that? It's what Austrian economics calls subjective value. Value mm-hmm. is what the customer thinks it is. it's in their head. And so what you try to do is get inside their head. There's a fancy term for that called empathy. And so all of these concepts in economics are Austrian economics. Mainstream economics is about GDP and monopoly and money supply and so on like that. Um, that's not very useful to businesses. So it's, it's kind of reverse psychology, Josh, that they understand how business works. They're delighted to find some new tools that they can use and we can provide them with that. And then they discover, hey, that's
0: Austrian economics. So that customer-centric approach, I think a lot of business owners intuitively know that's important. They don't necessarily think about it in the terms that you've just laid out for us. Are there any other insights or thoughts, things that you think that business owners should lean into a little bit more and, and maybe think about a little bit more specifically or directly than they have been?
1: Well, one of the concepts we use a lot is business as a flow. Hmm. And again, that's the opposite of what's typically caught, taught in business schools. You have targets and you have plans and you have strategies and you have allocation decisions and you have budgets and that kind of thing. And that's not how a business works. It's, it's this flow of know-how The customer know-how is, I know what I want, and I know what could be better. And the business know-how is, I can build that app, or I can write that code, or I can deliver that service, or I can provide you with that healthcare, And it's this constant flow between the customer and the business. So business is constantly adapting. It's constantly changing. You don't need an annual plan. You shouldn't have an annual plan. You shouldn't have a strategy. You should have an area of expertise where you focus, you should have customers who are the ones you're trying to serve and help and just keep that flow, continuous improvement. And so it's rethinking business in a, in a whole new light. And I think in the digital age, young people especially are, are able to comprehend that and to understand it and very comfortable with this constant adjustment. Whereas old fashioned management is about control. Now, I'm going to predict that we'll have exactly $1,227 million at the end of the year. And, you know, we'll do everything we can to to make that happen. That's what I said before is, uh, you know, management is bunk. Well, planning and strategy are bunk as well. So think about Mm -hmm. flow. That's the the attitude we try to develop.
0: So when you say flow, you're talking about that experimentation you were talking about earlier. Be flexible, try new things. Um, Maybe if that's the case what are some ways you've seen this work effectively in businesses? Are there any examples that you could provide?
1: Well, actually, um, Amazon has been a great example of that mm. in the past, where they, uh, they're they const- constantly trying new things. And um, Jeff Bezos said and a lot of his investor letters, hey, we're, we're not going to have consistent earnings. We're going to have lots of experimentation. It might take years. The other thing that I think the... Uh, the new generation came up with is this idea of A-B tests, Hmm. that instead of trying to make decisions through surveys or or other kinds of models, if you've got a choice, run an A-B test. You don't know, and in fact, you don't really care which one, A or the B, comes up as the right answer. You just run lots and lots and lots of A-B tests. So I think uh, that came out in Digital marketing, I think Google are the first ones to do that. Now it's pretty general. So think of life as an A-B test and just keep running lots and lots of A-B tests. That's the way to do it.
0: Now, what you've described in these last couple of examples, focusing on the customer, being maybe a little bit more um, interpersonal, as well as experimenting, those are things that I, f- I think they're harder to do at scale. Is that a wrong way of looking at it? Or is it true that it's harder to employ Austrian economics at a uh, massive level?
1: Well, I, I tell you where I'd start with that, Josh, is I question the uh, the idea of scale. Uh, it's an old-fashioned economic concept. It came from economies of scale. You know, the more you make, the lower the cost can be because you accumulate knowledge and you get better and better at making things over time. Well, we're not making things anymore now. It's all digital. So... Scale is really a network concept today. It's about the number of connections you have. It's infinite, right? It's, I mean, there's only 7 billion people in the world, but there's many, many more connections than that. And so, no, it's not hard to do at scale. The the challenge is you can't build scale. Customers give you scale. So, you know, you look at some of the adoption curves that have happened recently, you know, that I'm sure you've seen those curves where the adoption rates go to the sky. Um, you know, it happened with TikTok. It happened with iPhone. It's now happening with chat GPT and, and AI. So customers give you scale. And that that's one of the things I think about in the Bitcoin world. Why isn't the customer giving us scale? And
0: uh, that that's a challenge to be met. Could you explain a little bit more about what you mean by that? Because I think this is a Valuable, uh, a valuable thing to, for people who have Bitcoin-specific businesses to consider. So, what, w- what, what do you mean by that?
1: Well, I, I'm a big fan of Bitcoin conceptually, and mm-hmm. I'm sure many people are. And if we had more opportunities to use it, more connections, if you want to put mm-hmm. it in in those terms, and if it was easier to use, then more and more people would adopt it. Um, but I'm not a knowledgeable person in the Bitcoin world, but for whatever reason, that hasn't happened. So I think you've got this, this pent-up demand out there, at least conceptually. I mean, lots and lots of people would prefer to use Bitcoin. I'm sure Argentinians would, right? We're all excited about what's happening in Argentina, and uh, some countries are experimenting, but it hasn't happened yet. Why hasn't it had the adoption of ChatGPT or TikTok? And I think the answer to that is what I talked about before, convenience and the number of connections so I love it that you're you're encouraging businesses to use Bitcoin you're finding new ways to do that as more and more happens hopefully there'll be a, a tipping point but you know it is it, it may be regulation that's that's the the problem again I don't know enough about it but boy I think we've got so many User interface UX experts around the world. We've got so many marketers. We've got so many uh, ease of use experts that there may be something in the, on that front.
0: Yeah. And just to be clear, the reason I was asking that was not to, to push back or to call that into question. I agree with you. I think it's helpful to have... a. I wouldn't even necessarily say it's an outside perspective, but but someone who's not as focused on Bitcoin looking in saying, hey, these are some things that I'm seeing from we'll we'll say the outside that might be worth considering. I think a lot of a lot of businesses are thinking about how can we make adoption easier, et cetera, et cetera. But even for the local business owner who's looking to accept Bitcoin. There's a lot of connections that need to be made there in order for anyone to be interested, especially in uh, a less populous area. You know, Austin, Nashville; those places are better for Bitcoin. But where I am in Mississippi, not really anyone has it. And so, I think it's 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 helpful to begin thinking about the the ease of use and uh, how we can maybe more easily invite people to at least consider bitcoin as an option but yeah there are some regulatory issues that do frustrate the matter a little bit now one of the things that i wanted to ask you about or that i was kind of working toward earlier is at scale i'm thinking i know there are a lot of people that are maybe um anarcho capitalists in the austrian space i don't know where you fall when it comes to the the ancap thinking but i'm an ancap okay and so it seems like austrian economics the more you you talk about it the more it's at odds with a national government is there any way to marry the two or is it do you, do you come to a, a strong ANCAP cap ideology because it's really hard to kind of bring austrian economics and big government together
1: well you can't bring austrian economics and big government together mm-hmm. um you know i'm a I'm an ANCAP, I mean that the, the state is the enemy, the government is the enemy, I, I strongly believe that. We've evolved to a society that's got government, it's going to be really hard to uh, eliminate that, it may never be possible. So a lot of Austrian economists are, are minimal government, that the government should provide uh, law and order and the, the institutions that surround that, uh, but that's all. So you eliminate the administrative state, the, the government state of regulations and departments and, and those kinds of things. So that would be the ideal. And so you look at that in a dynamic uh, fashion. You know, what can you reduce? One of the, one of the principles of flow, Josh, is removal. You yeah. find barriers and you remove them and the flow increases and you know, the great analogy of that is a river system. A river system is tiny little tributaries up in the mountains, and they figure out their way around barriers and through rocks and around bends and so on like that, and they get to the ocean. They constantly the river system's constantly removing the barriers. And that's what we have to do as uh as ANCAPs or Austrian economics uh, fans. We've got to remove the barriers. So I love that that video of uh, Malay and in, in Argentina with the yeah, the a list of departments on his board and he's taking them off. Gone, 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 mm-hmm. gone. That's what we have to do. That, that's some elements of Trump are like that. So we've got to hope that we'll find people who can dismantle government as opposed to strengthen it.
0: The questions I'm about to ask you could take us down to a far-reaching rabbit hole conversation. So, And, and maybe it's impossible to keep them kind of surface level. One thing that I think a lot of people wonder about, and... I'll also say that there are a lot of people in the Bitcoin space that aren't fans of big government, but that I'm not uh, as well versed and I haven't thought through as much is what would an ANCAP in state look like in America? And the second question there is how would that, whatever it looks like, stand up against larger nation states that still a- Exist as uh, dictatorships or whatever else it might be. A lot of people might be thinking about China for this. But how, do, how does whatever America would become? How do they? How effective would they be standing up against uh, more centralized powers?
1: Well, there's two concepts there. I think Josh. One is decentralization, which you hinted at. The, one of the ways out of the current impasse is to decentralize from a federal government to state governments and city governments. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the city states of the, the Middle Ages, which uh, seem to fare quite well. And so you reduce government by decentralizing it uh, into into units, smaller mm-hmm. and smaller units. Now, will those smaller and smaller units want to get into a confederation for some kind of shared defense against some perceived enemy like China? It's possible. Um so we would say a private company could do that. You Boeing would be perfectly happy to build a defense system, you know, the whatever the equivalent of the iron dome is in the US, um, and charge free market prices for doing that. And the consumers who lived in these decentralized units would be happy to pay that fee, and so the market would provide the solution. So in that's theory, obviously, but that there's no barrier to thinking that. Those things are not compatible with each other. That that could work.
0: And and then the idea would be that a confederation would likely be strong enough with the right tools to withstand any uh, altercation or aggression from a more centralized power.
1: Right. Depending what that is. I mean, that's certainly you could build the Iron Dome defense against missiles and that kind of thing. I don't know what you could do about about uh cryptographic attacks and and those kinds of things i'm not well enough first to know, but yes there's no reason why not there's access to technology and access to those kinds of services doesn't change just because you're smaller units in a confederation
0: i feel like in conversations like this very few people will give that directive an answer so i appreciate it maybe this that hasn't been your experience but i feel like as i've heard in caps talk on a lot of bitcoin podcasts that type of direct answer isn't as forthcoming. So I appreciate that. Maybe one way we can finish up is to talk about any reflections you might have from the blockchain tokenization uh, investments that you've made. There are a lot of reasons that things have gone under in the last few years. And it looks like we're right at a new Bitcoin bull run that could last for a long time. Anything can happen, things can fall down again. But, but, the The energy is different uh, now, for sure. I guess I'd just be interested to hear your experience from those investments and how that might have shaped how you think about the Bitcoin space, maybe the larger crypto space in general.
1: Well, as I said, I looked at Bitcoin as a through an entrepreneurial lens and was excited that there were lots of experiments going on. The fact that the ones that we bet on, one successful, well, that's neither here nor there. You want lots of experiments and you want to see progress. I I'm of the feeling, or at least I the amount of knowledge I have, which isn't much, is that we haven't advanced far enough. I yeah, everyone talks about the price of Bitcoin. I mean, I've written it up and down. I I think my first Bitcoin acquisitions were in the hundreds of dollars, so I'm very happy mm-hmm. that it's forty-two thousand or whatever it is today. Um but I've also bought some at higher prices and written those down. So, but that's, that's speculation. like gold. It's, you know, that's a, a just a dead end. So mm. where's the, the business Bitcoinization, which you're trying to, uh, advance Josh, why isn't that happening at faster speed? I, so let's do more experiments. Let's find out more. Let's, Let's find the entrepreneurs of Bitcoinization that will advance us forwards. I'm kind of disappointed that it hasn't advanced further and faster than it has.
0: So when it when it comes to the advancements, do you buy into the the idea that it's good for a a base layer of value to move slowly? I'm just thinking through here. It seems like there's some value to to not moving too fast. You can look at the last, you know, 14 years and say, Bitcoin's moving incredibly fast. Um, it, it seems like there's, there is a progression going on though, where people are beginning to trust Bitcoin as a store of value, but there are a lot of things that need to be built on top of it in the future to kind of have a, a full, fully built out Bitcoin based ecosystem. So, do you feel like it's important to establish that confidence in Bitcoin as a store of value before it progresses on or would you rather kind of see everything develop at the same time?
1: Yeah, I'm all for speed, Josh. I think we've seen exponential growth in innovative new businesses and you can build the infrastructure as you go. So again, to use Amazon as an example, you know Jeff Bezos started out selling books and packing them up in his garage and the internet was just a, a way of ordering now you look at Amazon and it's a global warehousing and distribution system it can buy and sell anything it's got AWS you know that that was exponential growth without being planned you know it, it uh, a lot of that was just experimentation which which led to expansion so I want to see the Amazon of Bitcoin I want to see the Google of Bitcoin I want to see those kinds of of uh, exponential commercial applications. So Mm -hmm. you build the infrastructure as you go along. I I don't think, uh, you know, if if Bezos in his garage was the base, I (laughs) I don't think that's what he was interested in building. He was Mm going to build AWS, except he didn't know what AWS was when he started out. So, uh, no, I think we need to find the exponential growth pathways.
0: My assumption is that the Amazon of... Of Bitcoin will one day be Amazon or mm-hmm. something very close to it. I think that it will be integrated into all sorts of businesses because it's it's money. Right. There are a lot of cryptos that try to be fancy and be a bunch of things, but I will say that even though the companies aren't as well known yet, the amount of building that is going on right now, where in five to ten years there will be significant um, services out there that. Anyone can use the the interface is is great for people. They're coming, but yeah, I understand that it's it's been a slow process, and it will be exciting in the coming years. I think that that said, thank you for sharing those insights today, those thoughts, encouragement, uh, you know, pushing people to improve the the customer experience because, to your point, the customer has to see the value in the product or they're not going to come to it. Any final thoughts? before we finish up today or places you'd like people to go to keep up with you and your work?
1: Well, uh, thanks for asking. Our our website is thevaluecreators.com. You can find the Value Creators podcast and all the usual podcast platforms. And I think the next step, uh, Josh, should be for me to host you and fill in my knowledge and the knowledge of our listeners about what is happening in the world of Bitcoinization in business. I know you have a lot of initiatives. You encourage a lot of entrepreneurs. You're running those experiments and uh, I'm probably not aware of them and others probably not as well. So let's, uh, let's increase the awareness of what you're doing.
0: Sounds good. Well, Hunter, I thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you. Well, friends, it's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Business Bitcoinization Show. If you want to reach out to either me or Hunter, you can find those links down in the show notes. Definitely check out the Value Creators podcast, and I'd love to hear your feedback on this episode. As always, keep building, keep growing, and until next time, keep living and leading well. lightning wallet. And one of my favorite features is that once you're using the app, you can earn stats just by listening on fountain. Check out the link in the show notes to get started with fountain today.